Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. We all experience barrenness in our life. Some, the barrenness of a womb. Others, barrenness of friendships. Barrenness of money. In this sermon, we look at what blessings are found at the end of barrenness. You're listening to From Barrenness to Blessing by Calvin Theological Seminary student Chad Borsma. It is a privilege to stand here tonight and to bring you the message from God's Word. I can honestly say to you that when I joined LaGrave a few years ago, this was not on my radar. Some people have bucket lists. I don't. But if I did, this would not have been on it. However, um, I had a meeting with Peter shortly after I came, and we talked about what could be next for me for ministry, and we talked about seminary. And he asked me the question, do you feel called to preach? And I said, no. And he said, you need to take a preaching class at seminary. And I thought, did he hear me? Was he listening? But then he went on to explain that sometimes when you don't feel called to do something, you have to try it to see if that's really true. So this semester at Calvin Seminary, I have been taking a preaching class with Dr. John Rotman, and it has been a good experience. So thanks for your push, Peter. Our scripture reading tonight comes from the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. There was a certain man from Ramatham, a Zuphite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrificed the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, If you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, 
and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. This is the word of the Lord. A boy wakes up on the morning of his ninth birthday. He bounds out of bed, races down the stairs, and finds his dad tying his tie in the bathroom mirror. Dad, he says, when can I open my presents? As the dad continues to adjust the knot on his tie, he looks down at his son and replies, good things come to those who wait. A husband arrives home from work and inquires to his wife, honey, I'm famished. When will supper be ready? Is it nearly done? His wife peers out from the kitchen. Be patient, dear. Good things come to those who wait. Some people think that phrase, good things come to those who wait, is found in the Bible, but it's not. The principle, however, for waiting for God's provision is certainly there. By the end of the book of Judges, just before our passage tonight, The nation of Israel is not in good shape. Moral and religious failures abound, and they are regularly feeling the pressure from their enemies, the Philistines. The Israelites need something new, something to transform them, even though they really don't know what that will be. Change will come through men like like Samuel and Saul and eventually David. But as the saying goes, good things come to those who wait. And that slow, gradual change begins with a barren woman, one who is empty and unable to have children. It all begins with Hannah, who is part of this Ephraimite family. The husband, Elkanah, has a solid family pedigree. But Hannah, his first wife, has her womb closed by the Lord, verse 5 tells us. In ancient Israel, children were necessary, especially males, as heirs. 
as well as for labor, for agricultural and household duties. To understand Hannah's predicament is to understand that in that time and place, fertility was often associated with divine blessing. And infertility was understood to be a divine curse. While some women today may choose not to have children, such a choice would have been inconceivable back then. In that ancient mindset, having children was nearly the reason for a woman's existence. But for Hannah, there is no choice. She is barren. To rub salt in Hannah's wound is Elkina's other wife, Panina, who does have children. Now, polygamy, having two wives, was not atypical or illegal during those times, especially if the first wife was unable to have children. However, you can imagine the tension this creates in the household. Can you hear the conversation? I've got to run, Panina says to Hannah. I need to look after the children. You understand, don't you? Oh, wait, you don't understand because you're not a mother. If I were to ask the third graders in my classroom what they would call this type of behavior, they would say, Mr. Borsma, she is a bully. Perhaps there are other words you can think of to describe Panina's snottiness. While cruel treatment abounds from Panina year after year, the same cannot be said of Elkanah. He takes his family to the temple, and when it comes time to sacrifice, he gives a double portion, or some versions say a choice portion, to Hannah. Panina's cruel treatment of Hannah is so great, however, that Hannah won't even eat. And this is the time where we see the cracks in Elkanah's perception of the situation. Please eat, he says. Don't be depressed. I love you. Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? He doesn't get it. He simply doesn't understand the severity of Hannah's barrenness. He has a proud past, but she has no future. Finally, Hannah has enough, and off she goes to the temple to pray, and pray she does, boldly, passionately, out of her deep distress and anguish, through tears she makes a vow to the Lord as her lips silently speak the words, Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give me a son, then I will give him back to you for all the days of his life. It was not customary during those days to pray out loud, like I just did. So this is an unusual sight in the temple. That may be why Eli, the priest, mistakes her prayer for drunkenness. But perhaps a better reason 
is what was even more uncommon during this time in Israel's history. People coming to the temple to pray sincere, earnest, passionate prayers. Prayers like Hannah's as she pours her heart out to God. Whatever the reason, Eli's mistake alludes to his lack of perception as a priest. He, too, doesn't get it. Some might say, given today's medical advances in infertility, that situations like Hannah's deep desperation are not as severe anymore. Most of us know, however, this is not true. Those people who would say that don't get it either. Most of us know someone who has struggled or is currently struggling with infertility, miscarriages, or some other related issue. The emotions that Hannah feels are just as real for many people today. I recall reading a testimony by Heather Platt, wife of pastor and author David Platt. The Platts struggled with infertility for years. They longed to have children, and they prayed earnestly for one. But God closed Heather's womb, too. She recalls both the joy and the pain of hosting 18 to 19 baby showers while they were in seminary. Joy for the mothers-to-be and pain for their own family. The pain that comes from barrenness, this feeling of being empty, is not limited, of course, to infertility. Both the comfort and care ministry here at LaGrave, which ministers to grieving people, as well as our congregation's prayer team, have seen this often. The prayer team, as mentioned in one of Pastor Yonker's evening messages several months ago, prays for 10 church families each time we meet. And those families are given the opportunity to submit prayer requests to us. Similarly, the comfort and care team prays for all the widowed members of our church, praying for them during the anniversary month that their spouses passed away. Those widows and widowers also have the opportunity to let the team know how we can pray for them. I know I speak for myself and for members of both teams that it is a rich privilege to pray for others and to be entrusted with those requests. Hearing those requests, however, reminds us there are many people who are barren, who feel some type of emptiness inside of them. For some, it's the whole left by the death of their spouse. Or perhaps it's the emptiness they feel as they search for the right spouse. For others, it's trying to pick up the pieces after their marriage ends in divorce. Some struggle with children who have wandered away from the Lord. For still others, it's ongoing medical struggles, lingering cancer, unresolved heart issues, chronic pain, failing eyesight, a surgery and recovery that didn't go as planned. Barrenness is felt not just by people like Hannah, it's felt by the majority of us at some point in our lives. 
Sometimes we struggle with an emptiness for years as we wait upon God to fill us in His way and in His time, but we feel powerless when His schedule doesn't seem to match ours. You and I are either now or have probably experienced some type of emptiness in the past, and we long for it to end. We long for us to be filled with God's blessing. Hannah longs for it to end too. That's why she finally goes to the temple, to pour out her heart to God in prayer. We may wonder why she does not go sooner But that's not really important. What is important is that she goes and she prays. Then, afterwards, she needs to defend herself against Eli's accusation. Me? Drunk? She asks in shock. No, sir. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger. I am not a wicked woman. I am deeply troubled and was pouring my heart out to the Lord. Eli responds with words that are perhaps typical priestly words, but they are words of blessing. Go in peace, he says, and may the God of Israel grant what you have asked. She leaves the temple, eats something, and her face is no longer downcast. What a dramatic change for Hannah. She is no longer discouraged. She is no longer downhearted. She is no longer depressed. Hannah is a person who is filled with hope. But what brings about this change? Perhaps, instead, we should notice what does not bring about this change. For Hannah... Notice this. The turning point in her struggle is, surprisingly, not when God brings an end to her struggle, to her barrenness, to her emptiness. The Lord, by His Spirit, lifts her out of her depression despite the fact that her womb is still closed. God blesses her instead with the gift of faith through the power of prayer and the encouraging words from Eli. She brings her case to the Lord and then she's content to leave it in his hands. After worshiping the next morning, the family goes back home to Ramah. At some point, Elkanah makes love to Hannah and the Lord answers her prayer. He remembers her, and she becomes pregnant. God, in his timing and by his power, removes her barrenness, opens her womb, and fills her emptiness. God blessed her before with the gift of faith, and now he blesses her with a son, and she names him Samuel, because I asked the Lord for him. God's filling of our emptiness is indeed a beautiful thing. It is for Hannah, whose son is eventually dedicated to the Lord and becomes a great leader for Israel. It is for David and Heather Platt, who I spoke of earlier. 
after God leads them to adopt a little baby boy from Kazakhstan, they find out two weeks later that Heather is pregnant. Some years go by and they decide to adopt again, this time a little girl from China. And after a few months, you probably guessed how this goes, they find out yet again that Heather is pregnant. God gives them quadruple blessings. God's filling has been wonderful for many of you as well. We rejoice in the answers to prayer, in the barrenness being removed, in the ways God uses his spirit to fill the emptiness in the lives of his people. But that doesn't always happen, does it? For many, barrenness remains. So how do we find fulfillment when struggles and emptiness persist? Hannah, of course, never knew the Apostle Paul, nor read his letters. But if she did, I believe she would grab on to the words of Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7, I believe she would commit them to memory and she would let them sink deep into her soul. Do not be anxious about anything, Paul says, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Are you feeling barren tonight? God invites you to pour out your heart to him and to let him fill you with his peace. And that peace we experience, that blessing, that filling, God invites us calls us to share it with others. A week and a half ago, LaGrave's prayer team left its meeting as it often does with a sense that God strengthened our faith during our time together. That he filled us with hope. Jolene Dehir often ends our prayer time with words such as, Father, Thank you for the sweet time of being in your presence. Several people, knowing that tonight was coming, this preaching experience, assured me of their prayers and offered words of encouragement. The peace and the blessing that I received that day as a gift of God's grace is probably similar to what Hannah felt as she left the temple. Although we are not Old Testament priests like Eli, we are part of the priesthood of all believers today. And God can use us to encourage and bless others just the same. Before we leave this place tonight, let me offer you one more image of emptiness that leads to the reason for our hope. 
How is it that we can approach God's throne in prayer to come freely before Him with our pleas and petitions and to receive His blessing and His peace? The answer is found in the emptying that was shown by Jesus Christ when He died on the cross. Our Savior emptied Himself of everything except His love for you and for me. Friends, the veil is torn. The grave is empty. And God stands ready to fill us as we come before his throne. Amen. Would you join me as we come before God's throne in prayer? Heavenly Father, empower us to trust you in all kinds of situations, in life that seem barren, that seem like there's no fruit coming, that seem like you're not listening. God, we praise you that you are listening and that you are working and that you will answer in a way that is good for us, in a way that glorifies you. In the name of Jesus, our risen Savior and Lord, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.